Five questions I want to start with. First of all is, why do we talk about vision every year? Why do we do that? And I think that's a legitimate question. Well, because we imagine it's a church that our kids and grandkids would love to attend. That's why we want to talk about it. Also, it's because we want to be a church. We want to be a church our friends love to attend. Also, we will, because we love Christ and the world that he died for, and we want, to make, we want to give everyone opportunity to know Jesus. And, and I think those are just simple understanding, a simple understanding of why we talk about this. Well, what is vision? Well, vision, here's a simple definition. Vision is a preferable future, a preferable future. In other words, when you look ahead, what's preferred? That's what we would hope for. What we, this is what we believe that God would be pleased that we would be and become as a church. One person said it this way, vision is that elusive thing Vision is that elusive thing that dares us to dream big dreams about the future. Now, did you, did you hear that? Allows us to dream big dreams about the future. And that's so very important. And the scripture talks about vision. In fact, what I did is I took one verse, Proverbs 29 and verse 18, and I put it into four different translations and paraphrase. So I want you to look at this with me. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they're most blessed. Where there is no word from God, people are uncontrolled. But those who obey what they have been taught are happy. When people don't accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Those are great reminders of what vision is. And the consequences, I don't know if you noticed in the verses, the consequences for not hearing, heeding, looking, understanding the vision, the revelation that God gives. It's just not all that good. The one that I probably love the best is that they just stumble all over themselves. And that is so very true. There have been over the course of history some very visionless some very visionless people. Listen to some of these things. I don't know if you know, we'll know any of these names. Some of them you might, some of them you might not, but Thomas Watson was the chairman of IBM, okay? IBM in 1943, here's what Thomas Watson said. I think there's a market for maybe five computers in the world. I think he missed it just a little bit. Ken Olson Ken Olson, who was the founder of, president and founder of Digital Equipment Corporation, said in 1977, there is no reason any would, anyone would want a computer in their home. <laughs> Think about it. That isn't that long ago. Western Union, in a memo, in 1876, said the telephone has... <laughs> has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. And every one of you got one in your pocket. Or the, what about this? The, the, the president of Decca Recording Company, okay, it's a record company. When they, turned, when they turned down the Beatles in 1962, here's what they said. We don't like their sound. And guitar music is on the way out. <laughs> and then one more. Charles Duell. He was the commissioner of the U.S. Office of Patents in 1899. Here's what he said. Everything that can be invented has been. Visionless statements. No dreams for the future. I don't want those outcomes for us as a church. But, so let's talk about that. Why do, why do we exist as a church? We exist to introduce people to Jesus and to help them follow him. That's why we're here. That's why we're here, to introduce people to Jesus and to help them follow him. And I would look at this, and I would encourage you to look at this in one particular way, as a filter. That everything that we do should filter through that. If it filters through that and it doesn't come out on the other end, then I would question, why are we doing it? We are just, we're, we're, we're just expending everything energy, resources, time, etc. Now I want it to be a filter and that in everything that we do in some way, shape, and form, we have the opportunity to introduce people to Jesus and to help them follow him. 
How do, we, how do we accomplish that at Crossroads? This is the fourth question. We do that through weekend services. You're experiencing that right now. Right now. We do that through growth track. Growth track is one of the ways that we learn to follow the Lord. And if you have not completed growth track or if you've not gone through growth track, it's time that we do that. And that our next growth track session is October 3, 10, and 17. And you can sign up this morning at the Info Center. Growth track. It tells us about who we are, what we do, why we do things, help you discover your, uh, your, your gifts and so many good things. Life groups, that'll be, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But life groups is another component of how we follow Christ. It gets us connected with others and it helps us grow in our faith. And then the dream team is a way that we can serve God through Crossroads Church. And the fifth question is, what are the practical outcomes of that? Number of years, number of years ago, the Lord put into my heart this very linear thing, which kind of fits my personality. And, uh, and, and it's just something for me that I pray through each day, but it's also dreaming big. Number one, just one, there's the number one, okay? One person coming to faith in Christ every day of the year. Can we believe for that? Ten. Ten churches being planted and partnered by Crossroads Church. Already we've done three in the last four and a half years. Praise God for that. But I believe there are more on the horizon. In fact, we're going to talk about that in a little bit too. What is that? That's ten? One hundred. I'm believing for a hundred life groups around the valley. I'm going to do that again because we have to dream big, friends. It's time that we dream big. A hundred life groups around the valley. A hundred, a hundred dollars per missionary who calls Crossroads Church their partner in ministry. I'm believing. I'm also believing for every year a hundred people to be baptized in water who have committed their life to Christ. We can believe for this. What's a thousand? A thousand is average attendance on a weekend. And I mentioned. I mentioned baptism. Let me go back to that for a second. September 26th is our next baptism at the beach. If you have not been baptized, it's time that you're baptized. Take a connection card and let us know you want to be baptized and you'll be a part of that great weekend. 1,000 in attendance as an average each and every weekend. 10,000 influenced every month by some sort of, whether it's a weekend service, it's some kind of digital presence. It's something within our community where we are influencing at least 10,000 per month. And we have, we have eclipsed that number Month in and month out, and I'm grateful for that. So maybe we need to up the number. I don't know. I don't know. $100,000 in resources every month. You say, well, Gary, where are we right now? We are nowhere near that. I'm going to say that one more time for effect. We're nowhere near that. But I'm believing we will be. And I'm also believing that every fifth Sunday... Every fifth Sunday, it happens four times a year, that we will dedicate every dollar that is contributed on that weekend to world missions. And our next one is October 31st. So get ready. I, my, goal, my goal really as I was thinking about this and praying through it is this. Everybody who calls Crossroads Church their home from the youngest to the oldest contributes something that day. Everybody, 100% participation in giving that day, and not one of those dollars will stay in this house. It will go outside this house to be a blessing and to help someone know Jesus. Can we believe for that? And at some point, I am believing that every year we are at least $25,000 every fifth Sunday that we have $100,000 of discretionary giving that we can just give to missionaries and bless them around this world. Can we believe for that? And then a million dollars. What's that? What's the million? Giving a million dollars to missions by 2027. You say, Gary, these are ridiculous. You are nuts. Okay. I'm okay with that. Call me nuts for dreaming big because we serve a big God. And none of this, none of this is beyond his ability. Understand this, the greatest danger, and this is from Michelangelo. Michelangelo, the greatest danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that our aim is too low and we reach it. And I'm telling you, that is absolutely the truth. I would rather aim high. I want to believe that God can do exactly what he said in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 when Paul said this, God can do anything, you know, far more than you can ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Can we believe that together? That's why we talk about vision. That's why we talk about vision. A year ago, in this particular weekend, it was our first service back together in person, and we were outdoors. 
It was just kind of weird. Okay, can I just tell you, it was weird. And I'm telling you, our crew did an incredible job of putting that weekend together. It was, a, it was, it was weird, but it was a ton of fun to be back together. But here's the thing. We had our last normal service in 2020 on March the 8th. That was our last time. And then everything from there just spiraled in every possible way conceivable. And here's what I wrote down. I said, we felt, we felt the universal impact that 2020 had upon the church. And it cannot, and it could not, and it cannot be minimized. We felt it. We, it, was, it was something that literally laid upon our hearts, chests, minds, spirits. Everyone felt it. The three things that I called the church to consider last year, very simple, prayer, compassion, and connection, those three things. And I'm happy to report, we were able to see so many good things move forward. We made connections with Care Portal last year in, the, in a, Care Portal deals, we, we work alongside foster families within our community to help provide needs. That came about last year in 2020. That's so cool. And we have great opportunities ahead. Circle of Care, I cannot tell you the tens, the tens of thousands of people that have been blessed through Circle of Care three days a week. Millions of pounds of food and supplies go out of this place every three days, every week to bless somebody. Thank you, Jesus. That's nothing that I've done. That's only what God has done. And I'm grateful for that. Prayer. We prayed every day online for almost a year, praying for our nation, praying for needs. And I'm telling you, God did something in those prayer moments that really are really difficult to, difficult to quantify. This is something in me for sure. But we had people from all over the country, even in foreign countries, joining us in prayer. It was just wonderful. I about said crazy, but I'll go to wonderful. Wonderful is better than crazy. And we continue to do that on the first Saturdays of every month. So join us on my Facebook page, on my Facebook page. So friend me, I will, I will accept you, okay? When others won't, I will. Good things that occurred last year. We, the connections, that was the most difficult thing that I discovered during 2020 was keeping connections alive. It was really hard. I'm just, I'm just being honest. It was hard. But we met in parking lots, we met in, we met in parks, we met by Zoom, we met in homes and backyards and front yards and everywhere in between to keep connections alive. Started a couple of different video things during the course of a week to keep those connections alive. And I still do it every Thursday on Crossroads Facebook page. And if you have not joined me on Crossroads Facebook page for Let Me Encourage You Thursday, why not? Everybody likes to be encouraged, so do that. Join us, and if you haven't followed us on those platforms, please do. I'll talk about that more later. Also, last year at this time, we did something really special. We welcomed Jacob and Janessa Hoffman to our student ministries team. That was a year ago, right now, so that's cool. And I don't know if you recall, but I was talking about having maybe a new staff person come on board. Well, I want to tell you, uh, Pastor Martin led worship this morning. He is who I was talking about at that particular moment, and God has blessed us with the Bowman family. So there's been good things, good things that have happened. So where do we go in 2021, 2022? Well, here's what I'm going to do. Doctors, I'm going to talk about doctors for a minute. Doctors identify a healthy heartbeat. Okay, let's talk about that. They identify a healthy heartbeat by counting the number of times a heart beats every minute, BPM, beats per minute. This is known as the resting heart rate, heart rate, heart rate. <clears throat> and the heart should beat with a regular rhythm Consisting of a ba-bum, okay, you kind of know how that, how that works, with even spaces between each one, okay? That's, that would be what would be a normal heartbeat. Now, if you ever hear of something called arrhythmia, that is any disturbance, hear this, any disturbance to the rhythm of the heartbeat. Here's the point. When your heart is out of rhythm, there are numerous challenges to your good health and a full life. And the same is true for a church. When a church's heart beat is out of rhythm, 
the, the full life and everything that God, I believe, wants to do and can do through us, there's just disturbance there. There's turmoil. And I will tell you, we have witnessed that in the last, since the last time I had the opportunity to talk about some vision and direction for our church. I, I, could, I could spend literally the next, more, the next hour, two hours, just talking, and hear this carefully. I'm not, I'm not, there's no complaint here. I'm just telling you true. Just trying to be honest with you. For the next two hours, I could just talk to you about the challenges that we have faced as a church over the last year since we met together like this. You, you, some of you would, would sit there, I think, aghast if you knew some of the things that have come through emails to me. You, you would be surprised at some of the outcomes that have occurred because of what we've experienced in the last year and a half. You'd shake your head and go, what? You, you, seriously? That really? Now, I'm not here to complain. I'm just, it's important for you to know the heart has been affected. And I will also say that the adversary of our soul, your soul, Satan himself, has used every device and tool that he can to divide us as a church. Not just Crossroads Church, but every church. And I believe that it is time that we have a restoration of the heart of who we are. That we get our heart in rhythm, in rhythm. So I want to focus for a few moments on a word that I would just call leverage. Leverage. Leverage means the power or ability to act or to influence people, events, decisions, or to sway. Leverage. Leverage. So we're going to talk about three things. I'm going to do this as quickly as I can because I have, I, I'm not going to get to everything today. I'm not going to be able to answer every question. I wish I could. This is something that I probably should do about three weeks rather than in one day. But the first one is this. In the next year, to, to get us back into rhythm is, my prayer is that we would leverage, that we would leverage our seasonal activities. Now, what do, what do I mean by that? Well, all of us know that there's a certain rhythm to the year, right? We're getting ready to move into a football season. Preseason last night, Chargers and Rams. I didn't watch it. I had other things I had to do. It's preseason. Don't care. When the season starts, I'll be there, okay? Can't wait for college football. It's going to be great. It's going to be marvelous. Football season. It's the rhythm. It's the rhythm. Well, in, in later on in, in the fall, we'll deal with other things of rhythm, things like um, Halloween. We came out of BBS. That's kind of rhythm of the summer. And our beach, our beach baptism, that's kind of the rhythm. Halloween is rhythm. Thanksgiving is rhythm. Christmas is rhythm. New Year's is rhythm. You understand how this flows through the season? What could we do as a church to leverage that seasonal activities so that we can introduce people to Jesus and help them follow him? Do you catch that? That's the key. That's the filter. It's not just the fact of wanting to do X or Y or Z, but rather, what can we do? How do we restore the rhythm of who we are as a church so that we have the opportunity to reach people for Christ? Let me give you a passage of scripture that kind of sets this in motion for you. Exodus chapter 23. Now, God is speaking through Moses, and Moses says this to the folks. He says, three times a year, you're to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the festival unleavened bread for seven days, eat bread made without yeast as I commanded you. Do this as the appointed time of the month of Aviv, for in that month you came out of Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in the field. Celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year. When you gather in your crops from the field three times a year, all the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord. You see, God introduced to the people of Israel a rhythm, a rhythm. For a number of reasons. One, to remind them of the blessings that God had poured out on them, but also to always point them back to who it is that was providing for them, God. And a gathering point, connecting point, celebrating point. And I believe that we would, God would be honored that we would do the same. So how do we do that? Well, weekly, we do a number of things. And if you go back to ancient Israel, here's something you discover. You discover that they had weekly Sabbaths, right? Okay? They had weekly synagogue. 
where they came to teach. So they had weekly things that were occurring as a part of the rhythm of what they did. That was their rhythm. Don't discount, don't discount this. Don't discount one thing for the sake of the other. They're all important. Whether it's weekends, young adults that meet on Sunday nights, student ministries, children's ministries, men's events, women's events, missions, and then, as you've already noticed, we had some people walk on stage just without being introduced, life groups, life groups. And so Aaron and Lauren Jones, who kind of lead our life groups, are going to talk for just a couple of minutes about it. So would you welcome them, please, and say hello? Hello. Hello. All right. I'm going to start with Lauren, since you got the mic. Since you got the mic, I'm going to change things up and okay. turn it. And by the way, if you did not know, this is my oldest son. So if you didn't know that, now you know that. And, and this is... My daughter-in-law, I love Good it. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning. Uh, Lauren, what, in your opinion, is probably the number one reason someone here should be in a life group? What, what would be your thought initially? Uh, there's a lot of time between Sunday and Sunday. <laughs> That's something I know for me. I mean, we have two kids. One of them's here with us this morning. But there's a lot that happens between weekends, and it gets, we live in a very busy culture, and there's a, there's a, Kind of a lot of pressure to have so many things going on, right. but a lot of them are not things that cause us to slow down and, and shift back to what's most important. Um, and I think for us, at least, a, a life group has done that kind of midweek to anchor us back to what we're, what's important between Sunday and Sunday. Aaron, when you talk about a life group, uh, yours, is, yours is unique, in, the, in not unique in the sense, but you do a sermon-based type of life group. Talk just a minute about what that looks like as far as a kind of a programmatic side of, of life group. So what we do is we focus on making sure that what we hear on a Sunday stays with us throughout the week. And so we take, uh, take some questions that are provided and we go through the sermon that was just happening on Sunday and we kind of re- re-dissect it and we talk about how how do we approach this or how does this affect us or how does this um, on a weekly basis how does this impact us um, and where we're at in life what are things that we thought were really really important that are sticking with us or what are some things that we maybe were a little bit more confused about and want some more clarification and we sure. want to kind of just talk through it a little bit more it's an opportunity just to kind of continue to have that sermon that we went through on Sunday stay with us throughout the week so that it can continue to bless us as we go through our week. What would be one thing you would tell the audience this morning of the importance of life groups as, as you see it? Lauren's made a great statement that it's a long time between Sunday to Sunday. What is something that you believe is a priority or something very important regarding life groups? You actually said it earlier. It's actually connection. The, sometimes when we come on a Sunday... We walk in, we go to our favorite chair, we sit there during the service, and then we walk right back out. We don't actually have that connection with our fellow Christ followers on a weekly basis. And this is an opportunity for every single one of us to get together with like-minded individuals who have the same hopes and dreams and faith, yeah. uh, faith beliefs that we have, and we can encourage each other. We can build those relationships so that when we come on a Sunday, hey, our chair, there's a chair next to us. Why don't you sit with us this week and all of a sudden our, our realm of, of influence and connection grows on a weekly basis. Lauren, one last question. What would be the one thing that you would say to folks to encourage them to be a part of a life group? Um, we joined the life group for the first time about a week before I was due to have a baby. It felt like the worst possible timing. Uh, but the comment we made when we did that was that we, you have to take that first step and kind of dive in. Um, and we have seen the influence of that in our lives for the last now eight years. Um, and the value that that commitment, what that commitment has done for us. And sometimes it's just that taking that first step to think about how you can make time in your week um, yeah. to be able to do that and make that connection. So. Outstanding. Well, thank you guys so much. Would you give them a hand real quick, please? And here's the deal. We're going to be in the lobby this morning. We have a list of life groups that are available to us, to you. Would you please take one of those, find a place to connect. The, figure it out. Figure it out. Many of our life groups meet on Wednesday nights, and we're going to be providing child care, so that'll be available for you. We've got activity groups. We've got sermon-based groups. We've got study groups. We've got all kinds of different things in different locations. 
So do that before you go today. It's part of the rhythm of ministry. Fall is, is part of this. Curious. We're getting ready for the Curious series. I'm excited about that. Beginning on September the 5th. Our picnic, baptism, Halloween, Thanksgiving. Now, here's part of why I keep mentioning Halloween. Some of you I can see kind of, what? what? What's he doing? What's he talking about? We're going to be having some means or some sort of, I'm not, I'm not completely sure what it's going to look like, a fall festival. It's not going to be what it was before. So those of you who have that memory, it's going to be different. But the reason for it is to, two things, create connection, but also give opportunity to introduce people to Jesus and to help them follow him. Secondary, we are going to use Halloween because it is a Sunday, okay? The activity is not going to be on Sunday. So don't, don't go, oh no, no, we're not doing that. But we're going to figure out a way to leverage Halloween so that when you leave Sunday morning, Halloween Sunday, you go home and you leverage, you leverage that opportunity to put something in the hands of every child who comes to your house. What a way to make a difference in your community. And we're working on that even as we speak. It's all about helping people follow Jesus internally, but then introducing people to Jesus who do not yet know him. We have great things in process for Thanksgiving. And our missions conferences also, missions emphasis is during the month of October. And I want to introduce you to the couple that's going to be with us, or the family that's going to be with us, Ray and Rachel Hudson. Incredible, incredible friends, great family. I'm excited for you to meet them. And they are, you ready for this? They're planning a church in Berkeley, California. I, that needs to just sink in a little bit. This is one of the most challenging cities in America. But I'm telling you, world changers come out of Berkeley. And why can't we believe for the greater things through this incredible couple? So they're going to be sharing their vision and mission to Berkeley, and you're going to love the Hudsons. They'll be here in October. Wintertime, Christmas at Crossroads. We are going to have some fun at Christmas. We've got women's tea. we got those good things. We're also having something that a few in the room might understand what it, what it could look like, something that we're calling Carols by Candlelight, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a great opportunity, once again, to help people follow, but also to introduce people to Jesus in the spring. Oh, I got one more thing. If you're Canadian by birth, friends, whatever, we're going to do something on Boxing Day. So just get ready. If you're Canadian, you'll understand what Boxing Day is. We're going to get spring. We're going to leverage Easter as we always do with, a new, with another event for children. What we want to do with kids, we want to connect the kids' events from VBS, okay, VBS in the summer, to a fall festival in the fall, to a Christmas vacation Bible school, which we're going to do vacation time at Christmas, and then back to an Easter event, and then through the summer. What are we doing? We're creating rhythm. We're putting rhythm back into who we are as a church and believing that we have the opportunity to introduce people to Jesus and to help them follow him. Well, one verse or a couple of verses of scripture before I move on. First Corinthians chapter number nine, what Paul wrote, he says, when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes. I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. So why do we want to leverage seasonal activities? For that very reason. Because we want to have the opportunity to share Christ with as many as we can through a variety of ways and means. The second is we want to leverage our digital opportunities. We want to le leverage our digital opportunities. We live in a digital world. Did you know that? Regardless of what well, regardless of what some of the guys had the visual statements about home computers and the like, I want you to just listen to some of this, all right? There are 3.8 3 billion smartphones in the world. Global computer market is expected to grow from 331 billion to 367 billion in a year's time. 500 hours of video are uploaded to YouTube every minute. 30,000 hours of video uploaded every hour, and 720,000 hours of video uploaded every day to YouTube. TikTok has 200 million downloads in the U.S. alone. Uh, 
and a billion users worldwide. Facebook boasts of 2.85 billion users. Instagram has a billion users. Twitter has 186 million people who do whatever they do on Twitter. If it was only as nice as tweeting. And there are, listen to this, there are 103 social media sites which claim, six of which, which claim a billion daily users. We live in a digital world. And for us as a church, to not, to not accept that or not, it, it, not leverage that, we'd be sticking our heads in the sand. I'm grateful that we have done what we've done over the last year. One of the things that 2020 did, it accelerated something that was probably already happening. Kerry Newhoff, he's a, he's a podcaster, writer, former pastor, a variety of things. He said this about crisis. He said, crisis is an accelerator. So what it does, it just puts trends that would happen maybe a year, five years, 10 years down the line. It just accelerates it. And that's exactly what happened. We literally had to pivot within days to get ready to go online, solely online. Now, we were already streaming our services, so it was a little easier for us. But I want to tell you, we had to pivot a lot of different things to make our online experience as good as it possibly could be. And it's important to note that what we're doing in the present to leverage our digital opportunities <clears throat> is we are upgrading a lot of our digital equipment. If you go into the cafe this morning, you're going to see a brand new, a big, a nice big screen on the wall. We had a little tiny screen on the wall and grateful to one of our, our dear friends in the church who, part, who are part of Project 21 went ahead and purchased the larger television and installed it, got it ready for this weekend. So we give God thanks for that. And as of right now, we have about $12,554 that have come in for Project 21 of a, of a goal of $20,000. And so thank you for your continued contributions. And you can still be a part of this. What we're doing, we have to replace some technical equipment that's just gotten tired. It kind of has gray hair and a gray beard, and it's time for them to retire so that we can do some other things. So there's some good things down the line for us. I believe, I believe that we have only scratched the surface of what we can do as we leverage digital opportunities based upon what we read a moment ago, the statistics. Scratch the surface. But, uh, you know, I wonder why, why? What's the point? <clears throat> what is the point? Philippians chapter one, listen to what Paul wrote. He says, I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. I want you to sink in a moment. Everything the enemy sets out to do backfires. He has extreme overreach. And I believe that he is awakening a sleeping giant called the church of Jesus Christ. He thinks that he can stop the advance of the gospel by bringing a pandemic upon us. Uh-uh. Not going to happen. In fact, Paul says it clearly. Instead of being squelched, the message actually prospered. Can we believe for that in our own environment? Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus here become more, far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever, speaking out fearlessly about God, about the Messiah. It's true that some preach Christ motivated by pure love. Others are merely greedy. Their motives are bad. So how do I respond? I love this. So how do I respond? I've decided that I really don't care about their motives. Whether mixed, bad, or indifferent, every time one of them opens his mouth, Christ is proclaimed. So I just cheer them on. Can I just stop for a minute? I am so tired of the church beating up the church. It is time for us to gather around the core issues of who we are as the people of God and cheer people on when Jesus is proclaimed. It's time for us to stop the nonsense. It's time for us to stop the fighting and the craziness that has characterized our church, not just us, global, global, for the last year and a half. Paul says, I cheer him on. It's time for us to cheer him on. For us to cheer him on. And I'm going to keep that celebration going because I know how it's going to turn out. Through your faithful prayers and generous response of the spirit of Jesus Christ, everything he wants to do in and through me will be done. I can hardly wait to continue on my course. I don't expect you to be embarrassed in the least. On the contrary, everything happening to me, everything happening to me in this jail only serves to make Christ more accurately known regardless of whether I live or die. They didn't shut me up. 
They gave me a platform. Alive, I am Christ's messengers. Dead, I am Christ's prize. I'm his prize. Life versus even more life, I can't lose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul was in prison, yet the gospel prospered. Obstacles come and go, but the gospel prospers. And I believe that we have an opportunity to leverage our digital opportunities. And so let me say, let me start it this way. I'm going to go through this really fast. You're going to have to hang with me, okay? If you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, do so before today ends. Go to YouTube, find Crossroads, and subscribe. It gives us opportunities when we have more subscribers. That's all it is. It's not about monetizing it. I'm not looking for that, but I'm looking at the opportunities for us to go live with YouTube off our site. We can't do that until we have a certain amount of subscribers. So help us achieve that goal. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Get with us on social media so that you can be an influence in this digital world. And you can start liking and sharing the things that proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. That stand up for the principles of godliness. There's enough junk out there that we could combat it with the people of God. If we could do that, come on, we can do this. Gary, you're just dreaming. Yes, I'm dreaming. And I'm dreaming big, but I'm believing that God can use this. We can leverage those digital opportunities for his honor and glory. But what do we have to do to do it? I'm going to give you, I think, six things here very quick. What will it look like? It has to be creative. That's one thing. It has to be creative. In 2011, a group did a Facebook parody of the birth of Christ. It was hilarious. It was hilarious, but it was so good. I used it here a couple of years ago. Creativity is so important in, in this digital arena. It has to be strategic. So here's what I want you to do. I didn't bring my smartphone down with me. So I want you to get out your smartphones. Come on, everybody. Else, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go. Come on, come on, come on, quick, quick, quick. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Okay, go to the camera feature right now. Go to the camera. Go to the camera. All right, now, <laughs> don't take a picture of me. That's the last thing. And you see that QR code that's on the screen? Hit it. Hit that QR code. All right. Now, you, I'm in the way. Oh, no. Let me get out of the way. All right. Everybody got that QR code? You've got a landing page. You have a landing page on that QR code that will give you Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and our website. It's all right there with one simple click on that particular page. You're off and running. So now you can subscribe and you can follow and you can be a part. Now you say, why do I do that? Because it's just an example of how we can be strategic with our technology. I know you're still trying to get it. It was supposed to work. And if it doesn't work, it'll work some point. Use the small screens. That'll work. There we go. All right. Number three, it has to be excellent. It has to be excellent. And I would just say, the, the easiest way for me to say this, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11, aim for perfection. I love for that. I love it. Because I can take aim. I may, may not achieve it, but I can take aim. So we need to work diligently at what we produce to be excellent. Number four, number four it has to, hear this carefully, it has to be graceful. It has to be filled with grace. Anything that we do in a digital environment, I want it to be filled with the grace of God. Yeah, it'll, it'll speak truth. As I would speak, I trust speak truth as I preach God's word, but it has to have the foundation of grace. Keep that in mind in your own social media interactions. Number five, it has to be engaging. Why do I talk about engaging? To engage something is to attract and hold fast. One of the challenges of 2020 when everybody went online is that viewerships went up in the streams, okay? Our viewership went crazy. But the challenge was it was not about viewership as much as it was about engagement. How do you engage somebody that views what you produce, whether it's on a social media site or whether it's in a stream? And right now there are some who are joining us by stream and I want to encourage you to engage. How do you do that? Right now, go to the comments section and say hello to Marcy. That's all you got to do. 
or say, oh, this is good. Give us an amen. Give us a shout out. Say, I just signed up for whatever it might be. The point is, is there are different ways to engage, but it's taking a step forward. It's engaging off of social media. It's engaging when we put something there, share that. That is beginning to influence others throughout the digital world. It also has to be life-giving. And I end with that one. It has to be life-giving. My hope and prayer that anything that we would produce as a church on the digital side of things brings life to people. I don't know. I, I can use a little bit of life from time to time. How about you? I want it to be encouraging. I want people, when they look at a post from Crossroads Church, they go, cool. That was good. I needed that today. That's exactly the verse of scripture I needed. Man, I'm so glad I have an opportunity to point my friend to a YouTube video that talks about the challenge that this individual is walking through. That is a way that we can engage, and that's the way that we can bring life through our social media and our media presence. Jesus said, I've come that you might have real and eternal life, more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. So we're going to want to leverage our seasonal activities, and we want to leverage our digital opportunities. What I've shared so far is fine. It's all good. However, I would just leave this with you. Vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision just passes the time. Vision with action can change the world. And that's what I would hope in these next few moments God will do in your heart and in mine. So we want to leverage personal abilities. This, uh, there's a guy by the name of Alexander Dumas. You may recognize his name. He is a prolific French writer, uh, Count of Monte Cristo, Man in the Iron Mask, and the Three Musketeers. And you probably will recognize this, okay? This is something now as a part of our lexicon. All we are, what? We are all, oh, we're all in this together. That's the first thing, but you're going to remember this too. All for one and one for all. Remember that phrase? Okay. What does it all mean? Well, I would say it this way. To move from spiritual arrhythmia, that's my phrase, to move from a spiritual arrhythmia back into a rhythm requires, you ready? Everybody look at me. Everybody smile. It requires us. Doesn't it's not just me. It's not just Martin. It's not just Corey. It's not just Jason. It's not the board. It's us. It's us. Every one of us. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Those are just four of the 15 different statements during the book of Hebrews that say, let us, let us, let us, let us, let us. I gotta tell you something, that is not by coincidence. God wants to get something into your heart and into your mind that this is something we do together. The only way that we can reach our valley, the only way we can introduce people to Jesus and help them follow him, if it is us, us that does it. Amen. It is us. It's us. It's all for one and one for all. Whether And hear this, whether it's praying and even gathering tonight for prayer, getting on the prayer team, serving in some capacity in kids or with students, encouraging one another, hear this, encouraging one another to participate in the weekly, monthly, seasonal activities getting into a life group, being baptized, completing growth track, being all in for the seasonal activities. Hear this, committing to making an existing ministry better. You see all of these things, not one, not two, but all of them will help us in the spiritual arrhythmia to move from here back into a rhythm that God will use and bless. I'm absolutely confident. It's all for one and one for all. Will we allow God to leverage us. I want that to sink in a moment. Will we allow God to leverage us? 
our abilities, our gifts, our desires, our talents to introduce people to Jesus and to help them follow him. First Peter 4, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. As we close this morning, the rest of this is not on your notes. It's just something that I have been working through the last day or so that I want to leave with you. One of the miracles of Jesus, and I'm going to come down off, off of the stage here because I just feel like it's important to do that this morning. One of the miracles that is found in all four Gospels is the feeding of the 5,000. Not every miracle is in every Gospel recount. The feeding of 5,000 is. It's a cool miracle. Jesus and the disciples had been ministering. He called the disciples to get away and get some rest. And when they did, they came back into an environment where there were thousands of people gathered. And he began to teach them. When he taught them, and then he got to the end of the day, and he said, we got to send these people away. It's getting late. They got to go get some food. <laughs> and... You know, and I could just I could just see the disciples going, What? How are we gonna feed this many people? Before Jesus ever said anything. Listen to this. Because they recognized the crowd was massive. He said, Jesus, this is gonna take eight months' wages to feed these people. And here's Jesus' response, Mark 6:37. You give them something to eat. What? What? Are you, us? You're expecting us to do this? Think about that for a moment. This strikes me so, so powerfully. When Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you give them something to eat. What's God calling you to do? not that I'm going to just absent myself and say, oh, you got it all. Because Jesus didn't do that. So he told, it, he told his disciples, he says, do this, guys. Go find out what's there. So they go, okay. They come back with, you know what, five loaves of bread and two fish. <laughs> go, what is this among so many? I don't know if Jesus grinned or not at that moment. But I could almost think that he did. Just that, give it to me. Give it to me. They gave it to Jesus. And the original language emphasizes this, that the multiplication happened as Jesus held it in his hand. The miracle just started. And it didn't stop until everyone was fed. And there was more than enough to go around. Are we willing to allow Jesus to leverage us to accomplish his purposes in our lives, in our community, and in our church? I'm looking at creative people. There are hospitality experts here today. Some of you are digital geniuses. There are prayer warriors among us. We have some builders in the house. What faith steps should you take? What initiative do you need to lead? Who should you encourage to step up? What might you need to set aside? Whom, in, in whom should you invest? What, you, what should you stop doing? How might you be obedient? Who should you invite? How can you make ministry a ministry thrive? What can you do empowered of God? And what should you begin to do? See, we have this thing out in the lobby. It's called an AED. And if someone were to get in heart distress, 
we would run out to that AED and we'd pop open that package and we'd follow the instructions and we'd put it and we'd hit the button to pull that individual out of, a, of an arrhythmia back into rhythm so that they could be healthy and full of life. And I am believing that the Holy Spirit will do the exact same thing in each of us today and move us out of a spiritual arrhythmia back into the rhythm that God desires for us as a church so that we can introduce people to Jesus and help them follow. Father, thank you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, I don't know what has been spoken in the life of each of us today. The uniqueness of that is between you and them. But if we were to say anything, Lord, I'm just going to say it this way. Leverage me. Hit me with that Holy Spirit, AED, and wake up my heart once and for all. Jesus' name. Stand with me if you would. I wonder if you would just say, Gary, count me in. I'm, I'm there. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Come on. Holy Spirit. Let the AED of your presence just overwhelm me in Jesus' name. You see hands all around this room. Oh God, by your Spirit, do something in us in 2021 and 22, Lord, that we have never seen before. God, I pray that you would leverage, let it start with us, leverage us, and then everything else will take place. Everything else will take care of itself, but leverage us in the name of Jesus. Hit us with your life this morning. Bring us back to life, oh God. Bring our hearts back into rhythm, oh God. And we'll bring honor and praise to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name. In your name. Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. Some of you might be thinking, you say, Gary, what do I do now? I have wrestled that out more than you might imagine. And here's where, I, here's where I've landed. I believe that over the next couple of weeks, as we move into the rhythm of the fall, here's what I'm praying for. Is that God will put into your heart, mind, and spirit something supernatural that you know that you can't it's, it's inescapable this is what I need to lead this is where I need to encourage this is who I need to invest in their life this is the person I need to invite this is what I need to stop doing this is what I need to start doing I'm believing that God is going to put that in your heart that I don't think I have to have you sign anything because we've signed a whole bunch of stuff Big deal. It's time for the sovereign move of God's spirit in your life to say, this is what it is, and this is how I'm going to do it, and you're going to find a way to connect with me, one of our staff. We're going to figure this out. You say, well, that's not very clear. Well, okay. I think it's pretty clear for us to be open to the presence and the moving of God in our life. God, help me. Here's your prayer. Leverage me for your honor and for your glory. And God will direct you. He will help you. He will inspire you. And he will apply the AED paddles of the Holy Spirit and revive your heart. Let it be so. Let's go into a time of worship. And this morning, if you have a need, allow someone to pray with you before we go into the rest of this week.